Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always, I'm joined by the stripper lover himself, Will Murden. How's it going tonight, Will? We all love a good stripper. I am great, my friend. Really good. But you shouldn't fall in love with a stripper. That's what I'm saying. It's very hard not to. It's very hard not to. Um, and I don't know. I'm hoping it's something you grow out of. Maybe we'll find out one day. Who knows? Um, quick update on my side. Uh, we use Microsoft Please. Teams in the office that I'm in. Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Within there, they've got a new feature now. Speaker Coach. Don't know if uh, anyone's seen it. But uh, it gives you feedback uh, during the meetings that you're in. So it's like using AI to detect what you're saying. And then it picks up on repetitive words. Uh, whether well, you, so if you've got like catching in, words like ums and ahs and that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that filler words. It gives you that. I say yeah. cool a lot. I say all right a lot. I'm sure listeners of the show probably pick up on a lot of this crap. Uh, I'm terrible with you guys. You guys is not inclusive language. So uh, I get not. called out for that all the time. I mean, you um, so are I'm, a pig like that. Apparently, so. yeah. And, and then, like, it tells me at the time, so then I kind of like, have to apologize to everyone. <laughs> really? I'm, oh, I'm, well, you it's don't like have to, but I am. feedback on yeah, how, correct. how racist, sexist, or, like, I'm, Correct. I call myself out. I'm like, oh, I apologize. I've done it again, guys. Oh, fuck, there it is. Oh, oh. It's, it's not good. But... I'm I'm taking in the the data here and I'm working on myself. I'm trying to get better at it. So I'm hoping the listeners will uh, really get to to enjoy the the fruits of my hard work here and that we can get much cleaner. Surely there's some bugs in that system that you can just blame that on as well. I figured you'd take that angle. Uh, yeah. Look, I don't know. I I think it's pretty accurate. It catches me out. Uh, I say cool. I say excellent. Excellent, which is. Strange because I'm often quite pissed off at what's going on, so I don't I don't know if I'm saying it with some sarcasm that it's not picking up or what's going on, but uh, yeah. does it can it pick up tone? It's just yeah, you yeah, are yeah. Angry. It, you are angry right now. Well, you are it, angry. It, like, it knows know your tone and it, it tells you if you need to be changing your tone. So it, it picks up on your pace. It tells you if you if you're going too fast, too slow, and also if you need Based to change your tone. Like the perfect orator. Exactly right. Yeah. Barack Obama, unless you speak exactly like Barack Obama, you are not. What I'll do tomorrow, if I I find some spare time, I might get Barack and set up a meeting and get like one of his (laughs) speeches and just play it through it and see how he scores. I'm sure it'll be high. Do you get a score? Do they give you a number? Well, so it it gets like a little time thing of of the whole meeting and then it calls out the bubbles across there where it's got your feedback to say this is where you used poor language, this is where you could have sped up sort of thing so you, you get the amount mm. of suggestions they have across that the only mm. uh, one that i have got a perfect score on so far was where i was silent throughout the entire <laughs> meeting and then in the last second i just said thanks team and that ended the perfect <laughs> score I was like, yes nailed it done it uh, excellent surprised i didn't say thanks guys you. yeah thanks guys <laughs> I'm working well myself. Well done. I'm well done. I, I, thank you for that little uh, that little tit bit. Probably can't say tit. That would score badly. Uh, we are part of the Vault Studio podcast, so make sure you head across there and saw, uh, look after those guys that are producing a whole bunch of content. J.A. Corey. Uh, a few of the other guys. Who else am I missing? Like all of them. Richie loves it. The other ones. The other ones. <laughs> Just those other guys. It's always dangerous when you start listing off people in a situation like this because you've got to make sure you hit all of them. 
and I've failed horribly because I haven't hit all of them. And when you don't do that, the excluded kid. Anyway, uh, I say anyway a lot. I got to stop that. Now you got me analyze, <laughs> self-analyzing. You're a dickhead. You are a dickhead. Look what you've done. Uh, Bur- Burnley Brewing. Well, actually, fucking LJA. Not that the weather's turning bad or anything, but we need to get this, uh, start to get this a we- little more uh refreshed i'm feeling parched now i'm thirsty dehydrated speaking of weather i think we've missed an opportunity here surely what he could have done because i know the postage on these bad boys is a bit i know when when the boxes arrive they're covered in stamps and and it's like kid on christmas morning you like you get your box and you rip it all open you're guilty i got my beers we've missed an opportunity here with all of the flooding that's happening in melbourne and coming down the old Murray Darling. We could have just got it in like a little esky and whacked it in there and sent it down the river and then you and I could have gone and scooped it up. Don't hate that. Very like message in a bottle style, but yeah. Uh, what else have I missed? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at CFB Down Under. Done. There we go. We're through that. Okay, this is the Week 9 preview episode. We'll get to all the Week 8 games as well. We've got on the punt. We'll hit our punters. We'll not hit them, but... They will we'll discuss them. Uh, I've got another ranking to do. I feel like this is my, my angle now. I'm just ranking shit every week. Uh, so I will go through the most disappointing Power 5 programs so far in season 2022. I, I don't know. There'll be a few listeners out there, I'm sure, who are kind of... I don't, at this point in the year, do you, want it, do you want your team to be in that list? It's like if you're feeling it. You would know. You could probably answer this question. You're a dickhead. <laughs> Would you? Do you want your team to be listed because it is disappointing? Because if you're not, then I guess it just means just you irrelevant. are irrelevant. No, yeah. no one expected much of you. Yeah, Iowa State fans will be like, "Oh, we were, we were relevant. <laughs> we're not now. We are not now." Yeah, I mean that's fair, but I guess that is a nice little segue into the first thing I just do want to touch on before we get into a tiny bit of news. Not that I've got much. Um, and then we get into our week eight kind of recap stuff. I am not going to watch the end of the Miami season. This is the first time I've ever done this, but I am unashamedly passionate about the Canes. It feels strange to actually be a super fan of a sport because unlike you, you bleed a few different sports and a few different teams. Uh, I haven't done that. I haven't felt that way about an AFL team for a long time. I watch the NFL, but I kind of look at it from a uh, wide lens, I suppose. Whereas college football, yes, I've got a lot of teams I enjoy watching, but the Canes, I certainly have got that uh, fanatic element to me that still exists about my fandom. And I cannot anymore wake up at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning to watch bad calling, bad schematics, bad tackling, and just kind of bad play all around. There's, I, I get no joy out of it. However, it doesn't eat at me like it did three years ago because we've lost so much. We're so bad now that I'm actually just a little bit dead inside. And last week was horrifying again. It's never been this bad. It had like maybe since the 70s, like I'm talking pre-Schnellenberger here. I know there was some stuff around like fold the program and all that sort of crap um, a couple of times. But I cannot watch another team throw the U down and, and do all that sort of shit that we've seen that UNC do and now Duke doing it. And, you know, I mean, if you do that to Texas, you get fined at least a million dollars and they shoot your house up. But when you do it to Miami, it's just all good. Um, I, like, 
I don't believe, I know there's a lot of talk around, can programs ever be back like Texas and Nebraska? And yeah, of course they fucking can because you're only one season away from being really good again and how quickly momentum can be gained. But there's a part of me that also thinks, and I, I've never believed in these kind of cursed programs or anything like that, but maybe there are some football gods out there. Maybe the fact that Miami is not a blue blood, never sort of really was, and they rose so fast in the 80s out of really nowhere, relatively short time in the limelight. Maybe they just have to pay those bills off now and be really bad for another 10 or 15 years before they can try again. I don't know if I really believe in that, but there just feels like it, it, there's such a disconnect at the moment between the the playing group, the media in the area, the players and the juniors coming up in that space and where they're heading, the NIL stuff. It just feels Miami is a bad fit culturally for a college football team uh, and the surrounding area is just not suited to producing good quality teams. Um and, and that sounds ridiculous because these kids go off to Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia or wherever and go and dominate. But the ones that stay home, fuck me. It is hard work to watch going, going through this again. And, you know, Mario Cristobal is really struggling. Um, I'll try again next year. I know he's not going anywhere, but this year I'm just going to watch games that excite me and interest me. I'm out. And I know I've been like this. I know I was like this year one of Manny Diaz as well. I was like, he needs to go. I'm not saying he needs to go, but shit needs to get better. This is not fun. You you will feel better getting that off your chest, mate. I've, I've let that go on for a little bit there. Yeah, I know. I went on a massive kind of... I, I feel it. like this is you walking out of the movie halfway through. Like we 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 are halfway through, and you're like, this is I've seen enough. There, but there's what, no but what, salvaging like, this. There is not, but there's not. You hey, lose and, to, and I, I agree. You can't go to losing to Duke football. It's it's not on. No, not when, you didn't lose. You got blown out at home. Like it wasn't a loss. What's the last movie you walked out of? Um, the Caesar one. I remember that. I've, I think I've only ever done it once. The one. That, yeah, it had like heaps of... It wasn't about Caesar. It was called something about Julius Caesar. It had a huge cast. Ah, um, uh, yes. I think I know the one. George Clooney. George Clooney was in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it just went nowhere. Yeah, we walked out of that. It wasn't yeah, good. Right. Um, but cool. yeah, like I'm not walking out in terms of saying like I'm quitting on the team, but I, I, like we're going to get early kickoffs now the rest of the way. They're not even on fucking... Like we're not even making it onto ESPN anymore. It's like some like just cowboy TV station that has <laughs> makes it, it hard, makes it hard to get a stream you get oh, up, it is, you have to battle it, to get like, it there. it's it's it, it's, fu- it's fucked and so it's I'm not, I, it's not fun there's nothing exciting about the program so again I'll jump back in next year but it, it's a lot to give up from my health perspective alone <laughs> to wake up at that time to watch this so I'm not going to and um yeah, I, I don't feel bad about that, actually. I, I, I don't need to, to put myself through that every Sunday morning. And we will try. I'm not out on Christopher, but some things need to change. And, and I, I'm i going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to do that. Because uh, he can recruit. He's a recruiter. Well, it's interesting because he went in on the media. And the media in Miami is notoriously bad. But he went in on the media. He's gone in on his players, which is always dangerous. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 
That's what it. else we got? What news we got, mate? Anything Stanford else? kicked five field goals and won. Yes, sir. They've been playing that uh, Iowa game. I mean, yeah. Iowa ramp it up with that, that safety scores to win, but yeah, uh, that that's it. That's that's all I have. Okay. Any other news? Uh, who was it? Old Dominion who had four safeties on the weekend. Yeah, and like. Uh, the team they beat I can't remember Poor long snapper Just hooking it out The back of the end zone (laughs) And they they only lost By like three points It's like Oh mate (laughs) Just (laughs) Stop launching it (laughs) Just dial it Roll it along the ground Do something (laughs) Just take a knee I don't know Uh, But yeah Just go for it on fourth I guess Is the yeah, get your quarterback in shock. He would have been man. rattled though. Imagine that. Imagine you've already launched two out the back of the end zone. You're lining up for another punt. You're like, I've got no confidence at this point. Uh, anyway. Okay, let's get to some week eight stuff. UCLA at Oregon. Yes, we are going to start with that particular game. It became a bit of a blowout in the end. Uh, UCLA obviously off to their best start in a long time. Oregon after the blowout loss to Utah to start, so to Georgia to start the year, have come back and played some fantastic ball. And I've got a lot to kind of take away here. I don't know where you want to start, but I'll st- actually I'll start at the top and I'm going to eat some crow here. I hated and I've hated my take on Bo Nix, Auburn. Auburn need to take some responsibility for his performance over kind of those couple of years. But I certainly wrote him off. I wrote him off as he moved to Oregon. I certainly didn't expect anything. And very rarely do we see this kind of transformation. All the things he struggled with at Auburn, reading defenses, getting the ball out on time, deep ball accuracy, have all improved out of sight. His decision-making is fantastic. He looks confident in the pocket. He's decisive with his footwork. I often forget that players can improve. We see the Bryce Youngs, the CJ Strouds come into the game and we go like, yes, they're already good. It's just a matter of unhooking that last 10% of crazy potential, which they ultimately generally do. The Bo Nixes of the world, real battlers for a couple of years, doesn't quite happen for him, gets that fresh start and the fresh start has paid off. So that is something that I've hated and I've been unfair on a kid. And he has really proven me wrong this year. So I will, I mean, he comes out of the QB community hall. Um, and I'm not going into some sort of like VIP club at this point, but well done to that young man. And I hope he continues to go really, really well. Yeah, look, I am happy to hear this. This was my love for this game uh, was around Bo Nixon and just how he's been able to show out. Uh, obviously had a difficult career arc in his time in Auburn because he had some really good games and then he had some fucking garbage in there. And then... But even we- his really good games were not like this. No, th- yeah, this... Oh, his, his, yeah, it- his, his best was pretty good. He, he won some big Yeah, no, moments. but he had those like... Cr- yeah, but he'd make crazy scramble plays and he just kept... Like it was real yeah, Johnny Manziel sort of Dude's stuff as athlete. opposed to... <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't this and kind of And then I told you he was going to be the Joe Burrow and he was going to win the Heisman and you, you said I was... That. You never I said I fucking that. said that. I'm going to find the tape and we go back. <laughs> uh, the other thing I loved in this game, the Ducks unis. Not for everyone. Yeah. I liked them. <laughs> I, I liked yeah. them. Dark, 
fluoro green, fluoro pink combo. Ooh-wee, that's that's out there. Yeah, like, and you see like a lot of the Miami Knights sort of stuff, like with the Heat run that with the pink and purpley, like real pastely colors bleeding into each other sort of thing. And the baseball teams do it. It's, it wasn't that. It was more like a straight 90s retro fluoro setup. Um, yeah, you could have had like a perm and some bangles and power like shoulder pads and you would have been good. I don't know if I loved them. I, don't, I think, yeah, they're a bit meh for me. I prefer the duck egg. Give me that little uh, speckled thing. I, I've got a couple of other takes. I love the aggressiveness of a defensive head coach, Dan Lanning, kicking an onside kick in the first half to steal a possession, which at the time felt really good because both teams were moving the ball offensively. If you could steal a possession there, then you look good. Yeah, they had a couple of penalties, but eventually scored on that one as well. He opted to go for the end zone with 10 seconds left remaining in the first half and no timeouts. A lot of defensive coaches kick the field goal there. They just take the points and trust the defense and you run the ball and you're, you're that kind of... He's not that guy. He is aggressive on the offensive side of the ball uh, and we rarely see this. It's just not in the philosophy. It's not in the headset. It's not in the mindset of defensive coaches to think that way. We see it from Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. Uh, you know, it's you, you run the ball and you, you play safe and then you trust your defense. He's not like that. He's like, fuck that. We're going to go and score points and we are, and trust our defense. He knows offenses now. You need to score points to win the game and he's doing that. And his aggressiveness was something that I loved. Okay. One more. One more. Spicy. Got something a little spicy. I do not have anything more on this game. Have you got something for us? A little, a little spicy. Um, the Pac-12 is the most entertaining conference this year. What? New coaches, new players, more points, more quality teams. Yeah, there's some disasters in there. But Oregon, good. USC, good. UCLA, good. Utah, good. I mean, Colorado, cow. Arizona, woof. Uh, I get that. But in terms of, you know, Washington State, good. Washington, good. There's Stanford, eh, not good, but winning. Um, so you, there's there's uh, there's a little bit more happening here in the Pac-12, and it's an interesting conference for once. Oh, I say once, once in the last five years. So I'm really enjoying the Pac-12. I think it's really really good ball to watch, and that suits the Australian fan base. The timing works out so so much better. Last thing I'll say on this one: Troy Franklin, go-to guy, certainly looks the part at wide receiver. Keep an eye out for that man's name. Um, and Oregon doing a really, really good job this year. Uh, they have got, they have got moving forward, Cal, Colorado, then Washington and Utah, and then the Civil War. They should be favorites in all of those, but that Utah game circled as a massive, massive, massive game. If those two teams can continue to win up until this point, looking for a fantastic nationally televised Oregon versus Utah later in the year. I, I don't necessarily agree with you there. I think the Big 12 uh, has been fantastically fun this year. Snore. Okay, well, let's go to the Big 12 then. And, uh, I mean, it has been entertaining, yes. It feels like the love has been spread a little bit, which is good. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. 
you can have this one. We I've, I've done a lot of talking already. What so. a what a what a banging game this was. I don't know how much of it you got to enjoy, but it was a cracker. It delivered a lot of eyeballs on this one as well. Seeing the uh, viewership numbers come through, and this was number two on the week. Massive. Uh, Massive telecast, and what I loved about it, first and foremost, as like a, I wasn't a neutral spectator, but for any neutral spectator, Bijan Robinson just like you talk about him a lot. He's fucking good, man. Like yeah. he is really good, and Sark does a good job of dialing up plays to get him doing what he does well. Like he, he is really fluid out of the backfield, so get him in a little spa- bit of space out there, let him wiggle. Uh, and, and as soon as he does that wiggle, all the Oklahoma State players just kind of like fly around him and he just trots mm. his way on into the end zone. Like he, he's an impressive one for me there for them. Uh, and He was my spicy take. He was my spicy Ooh, take. Okay. Should be a, I, I nearly put top five, but I'm going to say top 10 pick in the NFL, which isn't a surprise for someone of his, his athleticism. It would be a surprise for the position that he plays. Obviously running backs not picked high. I am also notoriously terrible at projecting them at the NFL level, but to me, he is that good. I don't have a pro comparison because he is so fluid, but still put together well enough that he can run between the tackles. He can make dudes miss between the tackles. Um, I'm going to say, and and you're better at this than me probably, but Saquon Barkley, but better? Like, is that... Like, in, in terms of just the the body shape he's not hugely tall they're similar weight i don't know both pretty explosive uh that would be my kind of comparison for him but i think he's going to be i think he's going to be a better version of that he's in that mold like you've had jonathan uh taylor recently you had barkley before that you had zeke coming out before Zeke's a bit different though he's more bowling ball he's a bit shorter and a bit nuggetier yeah but bijan's got a bit of nugget about him yeah, he does, I, I, but, but he, I see all these guys, they're explosive athletes. All of them explosive athletes. And this is in a field where everyone is an explosive athlete. These guys pop out as next level. So I, I, I 100% agree. I just don't think the, the position value is there and that's going to hurt him. But he's certainly going to be right up there. Like he'll be a first-round running pick back and we haven't seen that in a while. Um, moving... So what I hated about this game uh, was bad special teams play. I think it, it was not clear. It was quite windy there in, in the defense of both sides, but I felt like one side, and that was Texas special teams, was actually quite good outside of one muffed punt that they had. They, they were really doing a good job of uh, capitalizing on field position uh, for everything else. that they, they were getting some good returns. They were able to pop the ball out. Dude kicked it out at like the one-yard line, and it was like an out-of-bounds coffin corner, the old Madden style, yeah, where yeah. you had to like drop it in there. I, he nailed I could that. Never do, I could never do that in the game. I, I could was, do it in like the practice challenges and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never do it in the game, though. I was oh, like, when oh, I watch it live, I'm like, fuck off. That's out the back, and then you watch the slow-mo replay, and I'm like, no, that dude has just dropped that on the one-yard hash, <laughs> like on the outside. Like, fuck yeah. hell, that's... Not bad. Uh, and then on the flip side, you had pretty poor play that, that ultimately almost cost Oklahoma State uh, from a special team standpoint. I felt like Tom Hutton didn't have a great day. A lot of short punts uh, put up there. And short and returnable, which is not a good combination. Um, <laughs> they, they missed a field goal in there. So they were able to scrape, scrape through, but three quarters of the way through this match, I was like, fuck, if we cost it, drop this game, it will come down to some of that poor special teams. Because I think 
the rest of the areas, yes, they were giving up some points, but defensively they made some adjustments. They were looking okay. Offensively, they were continuing to put up points. Uh, they ran a shit ton of plays. Uh, so was, they were at like 80-odd plays in the third quarter uh, offensively, which is just nuts. You look at uh, Spencer Sanders had the most How many passing yards on the week. And How many defensive uh, plays in that third quarter? Uh, up until the third quarter, I'm not sure. Well, well, if there's 80 offensive plays. No, 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 I'm talking Oklahoma State had run 80 offensive plays up until the third uh, quarter. You, you so how many defensive plays did Texas have then? <laughs> well, Texas probably had the same amount. I mean, there was a few that looked like they took it off. But, uh... <laughs> All right, uh, I am going to jump on something for I know I've cut you short there, so sorry. No, mate. please. Uh, I loved Oklahoma State winning for Oklahoma State's sake, not because I felt like I loved them winning. I just thought that um, they needed to win. They come off a big overtime loss last week against TCU. You're down at the half. You fight your way back into the game. And if you want to remain in contention in the Big 12, you really have to go and win this game. We mentioned in the preview that these were the games that are going to determine the contenders. And if Oklahoma State then at home drops this game, you go back-to-back losses in the Big 12, you're back to the pack, it becomes really, really tight, and you're just another another also ran in the Big 12 probably. They didn't do that. They answered the call, and they found a way to win this game. So well done to Oklahoma State. You have to love that, that in these big tight matchups, after a big emotional loss the week before on the road, you then come back and deliver uh, regardless of whether you played perfectly or not, you get the job done. Yes, sir. I love it. That's a good take, my friend. Do you have anything spicy to add? I don't have anything spicy on spicy. this one, no. Nothing spicy. Okay. Let's head to Syracuse Clemson. So an earlier kickoff, I did watch this one because I was up at that fucking time anyway. What a fucking joke. Um... A bit like what we've kind of mentioned, you've you got to win ugly, and Clemson certainly did that. They overcame four turnovers in this one. I loved, I've got a love and a hate for this. I loved the support. This is like real teacher coming out in me slash coach of junior sports, but I love the support DJU gave to Kay Klubnik throughout the game. He got benched, not for the first time in his life either, <laughs> um, in his Clem- time at Clemson, but... It's very easy. We see this all the time in the NFL and in, in lots of sports. You get benched and you crack the shit and you sit there and you're sobbing away into your Gatorade. Um, and he could have really done that, given the sads, um, completely buy out at that particular point. But he didn't do that. He stayed in it. He was still contributing from the bench. He was still giving support to his quarterback. So I love to see that kind of stuff because it's a part of sport that we don't see so much anymore, that real sacrifice for your teammates. And I know they kind of do it, but in this age of NIL, TikTok, and fucking look at me, um, you don't see a lot of this stuff. You don't. And to see somebody give something to somebody else... Uh, for not much return, is it was really impressive. So, if nothing more, DJU won himself a fan over the weekend. I like it, mate. I like your take on that one. It's much better than mine, which is a, a bit of a garbage take. I woke up for the end of this match, so I only got to catch 
the last bit. And what stood out was that the ACC refs were fucking garbage. They could not <laughs> help but get themselves involved in the game. Like, I only watched the last couple of drives. And it just felt like it was all about them. Or they were just... It, everything was boiling down to what you don't want a game to ultimately be decided by, these ref decisions or the ineptitude of, of the ref work there. And Syracuse on in this game had an opportunity to go down and score and win on the last drive. They were working against it, didn't have any timeouts, having to work the clock, and they were consistently getting a first down and then the clock wouldn't stop. So it should stop while they're setting the chains and it's not and it's just running and then the ref needs to jump in and that's not the on-field ref crew's fault but someone's at fucking fault there and that's like a real home field fuck up because then the ref stops blows momentum oh now i've got to wheel it back to when is it 20, 26 not 24 24 seconds just a sec guy yeah reset the clock to 24 seconds by which stage all momentum's been sat it was just oh, i didn't like it i did not like it yeah and that, yeah, that takes practice, which I know these guys do a lot of, but yeah. I hated Syracuse's second half play calling and discipline, if I'm honest. I didn't think they were really in this game in the second half. Defensively, Clemson took over, and coming back to Syracuse, there was no creativity. Wide receivers couldn't get open. It turned into Garrett Schrader trying to make plays with his legs. The Orange were up 21-10 to 10 at the half. Their second half possessions... They punted six times and had a pick. That's it. And most of the first plays on these drives um, were runs. A lot of them came from Garrett Schrader ad-libbing. Three of those drives were killed off by penalties. Like there was just like a legal man downfield, holding, holding. And it just, it was an ugly second half offensively. And Dino Babers needs to have a look at that. Because he got out-adjusted horribly. And it was, I know you're saying they were driving to win the game. And you know when you get up 21-10, maybe one more score wins you that game. And in this case, it would have. Um, but they didn't deserve it in that second half. Ooh, okay. So, yeah. No, that's, that's a fair shout. But Syracuse certainly got closer than I gave them credit for. All right. Uh, let's go back to the Big 12. TCU... Hosting Kansas State, you would have been over this more than I would have. Two teams in purple. You love a purple outfit. I'm off the have? purple outfits. I'm off the purple outfit. Look, oh, my love for this game was very similar to your Oklahoma State one in that I thought it was great that TCU won this. Uh, and it's almost for the opposite reason and then some very similar ones to the Oklahoma State one where they had this big win at home in a big-time game. And it's often easy to then trip up and fuck out and have it all mean nothing the very next week, uh, especially in the situation that were, they were in where they went down early. They were down at the half, they were in a bit of a hole, and then they had to kind of get themselves out of it, and they were able to do that. So it's really good for the program to have this excitement. That's seven on the bounce now, looking really... Seven? Eight? Seven? Looking really strong and continuing on. Um, so I love to see that for them. Um and where they're at. Yeah, I. what did I love? I love the game from Jared Wiley. He looked like the best tight end in the country. Um, they've got some weapons. TCU, Quinton Johnson, Johnston, all, you know, he gets a like lot a of weapon. love. 
yeah, a weapon. Max Duggins had a really good year. Kendra Miller, um, as, as sort of that big three from a running back, quarterback, wide receiver perspective. But then you add a tight end that can get down the field. And don't I love a tight end getting involved in a spread pass game? Um, a lot of problems to cover if you are on the defensive side of the ball. And, and they were running a lot of... Uh, kind of shallow stuff with him and that, you know, that deep, like a lot of over sort of routes for their wide receiver and, and uh, sorry, for their tight end. And, and he was getting open both on the outside, but certainly um, down the middle of the field as well. So I loved his game on the weekend. So well done to him. I do have a spicy take on this one and it's specifically around that TCU. And I know I've just pumped him up and said how great it was for, they, for them to win. But uh, I honestly do not believe that they are that all that good. And, and maybe that's not that spicy, but I see that they have three losses down the stretch here. Like, I could see it falling apart for them. I know things are going really well, and people are thinking, yeah, this is a pretty strong team. They're scraping by. They're knocking out a lot of quarterbacks in these games. I don't think you can consistently rely on having an, an injured quarterback on the other side to get you the wins. They're relying on that a lot. I think they're going to drop some games here. I don't think they're going to make the championship game. There's my spicy take. I think most people have kind of penciled them in. I don't think they get there. That's a bit Big 12-ish though, right? Except outside of Oklahoma, they've kind of feasted on themselves a lot. So the the losses coming are not that spicy. Threes feels like a lot. How many games they got left? Five? Something like that, yeah. And there, there'll be some duds in there. But yeah, I, I think they're there ain't better no duds in the Big 12. That's the thing. Sorry? There ain't no duds in the Big 12. Who are you looking at? Kansas? Kansas is fucking decent. <laughs> Iowa State? Oh, Iowa State names. There's no uh, Duke. Ooh, too soon? Is that too soon? It feels too soon. Fucking hate. <laughs> Do you mean Duke at home? Because they're really, really good when they have to travel. All right, LSU. Oh, have I got anything else on this? Do I have anything else on this? Yeah, actually, I do. I hated Adrian Martinez going out of the game. Will Howard did a good job at quarterback um, until the second half, and he just you know got completely shut down. They ended up in a quagmire, and he was in um, a bit of a, a spin when uh, this TCU defense figured him out. And you just felt that Martinez gives him a, gives them a greater chance to win in that situation, and they just nah, they just ran out of steam. So. We'll have to see how Will Howard goes. Maybe this week, maybe not. We're not sort of sure on that. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, before we get to LSU and Ole Miss, Kansas and Baylor. Kansas still not bowl eligible. Um, and then the North Texas UTSA one, it took 21 fourth quarter points and the touchdown. Five, 15 seconds left to lift the Roadrunners over North Texas. So they remain undefeated in Conference USA. Go some, uh, you know, maybe Roadrunners are my new team. All right, LSU, Ole Miss. Ole Miss got out of the blocks so, so well in this. I've got three takes on this. Um, do you have much on this game or do you just want me to roll through them? You go through, mate. Okay, loved LSU's adjustments, particularly on defense up front. After getting handled early in the game, they completely shut things down along the offensive and defensive line. They clearly have still got the hogs up front to impact any game left on the rest of their schedule, so well done to that. I hated the old Miss defense. This has been something that's followed Lane Kiffin around. His defenses are not good. 
Um, and this means that Old Miss is really only able to win one way, and that is by scoring a lot of points. If that doesn't happen, they don't have the ability to play tight defensive-type struggles. And in a game like this where they needed their defense to take over, they couldn't get it. I mean, I know that people are going to say, oh, they got it in the Kentucky game. Yeah, whatever. Um, Kentucky can't move the ball offensively. so uh, But they got pushed around up front and struggled to tackle in the back end. Not a good combination. Spicy take. Lane Kiffin teams will never be more than a flash and a very bright flash, but a flash nonetheless in the pan. Ooh, that is a bit spicy. I think that's probably unfair. They're playing in a very difficult conference. Like It, it ain't going to happen overnight. I think what he's done has been really impressive. And that How many narrative... years have you been there? Is this year four, year three, year three? Year three. Year three. But, but even then, like, were you expecting him to come in and build this powerhouse that's able to... like? Rocket with the best, and from from a dynasty standpoint, like I think on no, their no, day no, they can no, they no, can punch with no, them. No, absolutely not. But you know that you're going to get financial support. There are resources there in Oxford, Mississippi. You know they do feel a step back. Don't get me wrong; they do feel a step back from the LSU's, Alabamas of the world. But Georgia, but he was supposed to come in and and, and really push. And don't be wrong. Ole Miss has been good, and their offense has been fantastic, and that's his baby, and that's all fine, but you need to see them, like I said, be able to at least hang in a defensive game every now and again or be able to produce some results against a quality offense. I'm not saying LSU's not even a great quality offense. Like, yeah, they Yes, they held Kentucky. Kentucky's offense is a mess this year. They cannot score points. So let's not pretend like playing a good defensive game against Will Levis and the fighting slow down grind them out Wildcats is going to be something that you can hang your hat on. They've got to find another solution. And Lane Kiffin, a little bit like, if I use another um, example from an offensive coach, uh, Lincoln Riley's got this kind of, he's been tarred with the same brush a little bit in that his offenses haven't been great. E- uh, sorry, defenses haven't been great either. And he's trying to rely on winning one way. And in the weeks when your teams do not show up on that side of the ball, can you find another route to victory? In the Big 12, yeah, he's done that a little bit. In other games, in in the playoff, we haven't seen that come through. So I see those two guys a little bit similar. Both brilliant offensive minds, but lacking the defensive, holistic approach from a team perspective. And that's what's going to be so strong when we go down the coaching path, you and I, because we can kind of split it in half and just have excellence on either side of the ball. I guess that is the case. However, I've already got like some practice plans and stuff ready and I'm like 95% spending my time on offense. Yeah, that's fine. I'll coach the D. Yeah, so you have 5% of practice time. And then we'll just beat you up all day. On the, on the practice field and you'll be pulling your hair out because you won't be moving the ball on us. <laughs> That's not accurate at all. All right, punters <laughs> are people too. Let's get to the punters. Let's have at it, Will. Uh, Look, this is fan- fantastic week for our boys. A couple of weeks ago, put the heat on them and they've responded. Uh, we've had some really, really good efforts from a few of the lads this week. So, Stephen Costanley out at Utah State, boy from Box Hill, uh, been floating around Utah State three years now, having a really good year. This was by far his best outing. Eight punts, averaged over 50 yards on those punts. Uh, gave up 
a total of zero return yards across those eight. Well, well that's, that's a perfect game. That's a professional game at that. Like, if you're playing for Chicago, you're probably punting more than eight times. Although we just won. <laughs> We're up and about. So I might still uh, cool it there. But Stephen Costanley, fantastic work, mate. Great to see. Uh, another regular at the position. I think this guy's, like, in the running for the Ray Guy, surely, at this point. Adam Corsack. Uh, is like 15th year senior at Rutgers, uh, mm-hmm. having a really strong year. And he's had another great game. Eight punts uh, against Indiana, 46.5-yard average, one return that went backwards five yards. Love that shit. Brilliant. One that we haven't met, uh, mentioned this year, Jack Brooks. Oh, Brooksy from Wagga Wagga. Ah, there you Running go. around at uh, South Alabama. So he, this is his fourth year at the program. Playing against Troy. Very busy this weekend with seven punts. Uh, and did a really good job. Just putting them all up in the air. They were like all fair court, pretty much. If they weren't, they were dropping out of bounds inside the 20. Great effort from him. Nothing returned uh, there. Another one that I don't think we've mentioned this year out at Temple, we got Mackenzie Morgan. Uh, he he has started way back at North Carolina State when those really tuned in listeners were like, Mackenzie Morgan, wasn't he at NC State? Yes, he was. And then he went to Weber State for a couple of years. And now he's at Temple with the Owls. And uh, he had eight punts, 41.2 yard average. Uh, only two of them returned for a total of four yards. Uh, the rest of them caught their awesome work. And then lastly, this uh, surely you've seen this. If you haven't seen this, I don't, I don't know why you're listening to the show because this is one of the best highlights of all of the weekend's work. Our boy Mason Fletcher, Cincinnati, the legendary Dustin Fletcher's son, had a punt from his own end zone. His feet were like at the front of, like at the goal line. Kicked it out the back of the other end zone. Like this legit happened. He fucking, he tonked it. It went over the returner's <laughs> head and it rolled out the back of the end zone. So it was a touchback, but it's still an 84-yard punt. Like that shit is nuts. He averaged 65 wow. yards on his punts on the day. Uh, all three of them over 50 yards. Like, you can't say he's kicking with the wind every time. Otherwise, it's strategic. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, nah, we're not punting. We're just going for it. I only kick with the wind. Or the the dude has a leg. He is averaging uh, third highest punting average in the nation at this stage. And, man, he's he's something special in his second year for the, uh, the Bearcats there. There we go. All right. That brings us to the end of week eight. Wow, the season is just humming by all of a sudden. Uh, let's rank. Uh, well, I've got another ranking to do. This is just what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to start getting rank? more obscure. I've, uh, is that rank? Rank. I'm ranking things. Oh, okay. That's what I do. I wasn't sure segment. what you wanted to do at this stage, whether we were going to take a no, break. No, I just like. Uh, no. <laughs> I. Um, I wanted to, like, I'm going to have to get a bit more obscure. I've sort of gone very mainstream with a lot of what I've done here. It's like, but now I'm going to have to get to, like, ranking the best left-handed quarterbacks that play below the Mason-Dixon line. The best haircuts of those that are, I don't know, born in 19... So you're going to go with, like, white offensive lineman I was going to go a race but then I, I, I thought that was a bit dangerous because it would just be ranking mullets then it's yeah. like which hair covers the nameplate the best 
What year were kids who are at college now born? Because that's going to be depressing for people like you and I, the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, like, mullets are a thing at the moment, so that's not good. And there's a lot of, like, clothing in the younger generations that is the just, year like... year 2000? Super... Were they born in the year 2000? It was 2022. They're probably even, like, 2001 or two. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we was, like, we were, we were doing things. <laughs> I nearly actually gave that away. Nearly gave it up then, but I didn't. I checked we were, myself. We were friends. We were friends. Ah, yes. Innocent, carefree. <laughs> it was a much simpler time then. It was indeed. I was less wrinkly and I was not as blind. Okay, ranking the most disappointing Power 5 programs this year. Do you want to go bottom up again? You yeah, always, always start at the bottom. Always bottom build, up. Okay. Build some anticipation. Well, this kind of fucks it a bit because I'm not going to go a program here. I'm going to go... The big name, I'm going to go collective here. The big name programs, number six, the big name programs in the Big Ten West, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota. Terrible so far. Really disappointing. Two of those teams have fired their coach. Iowa should fire their coach. Minnesota got blown out last week. They're actually okay to start the season, but you felt like they had a chance to grab the Big Ten West by the proverbial testicles. They did not do that. And now Illinois are just going to roll to a division championship. Seems lazy grouping these all together here, but I do agree with most of it. Like Minnesota especially, I think it was when I jumped on board that they just took a nosedive and, and went down, and I, I have that effect. So I uh, must apologise. Wisconsin, I th- expect to be better than what they were. It'll be mm-hmm. disappointing. Nebraska, you put in that, like, we shouldn't be surprised bucket. No, yeah. Um, uh, number five, another team that will really got on board. Not a. Oh, this, I said power five. These aren't. This aren't. This isn't power five. Houston. Yeah, but they almost, deserve to be almost, in there because they because they almost suck. power five. Yeah, Actually, almost power, power five. five. So, power five adjacent. <laughs> uh, they suck and have been really disappointing. Really disappointing. Yeah, I'll wear this one as well. Number four, I got to get this. My tar and feathers here. Miami, the University of Miami. Uh, let's just fucking move on. They're not making nah, it into feel, a bowl game. Feels low, as in like they should they should be higher in this ranking. I looked at the uh, dollars paid per win uh, column, and uh, the top of that is your friend there, Mario Cristobal. He's got like one point five million dollars per win so far in the year, which is exciting. Thank you. Do you know what really made me nervous? I nearly said something about this, and I don't want to go into Miami more here, but I nearly made a comment about this earlier in the year. We beat somebody earlier in the year that is shit. I want to say Florida A&M, but it's not Florida A&M. It's the other one that we kind of play all the time. We beat them 70 nothing or 77 nothing, which is the exact same score that our Golden put on. FIU? Um, is it FIU? No, no. It's a, like... FCS team um, that's okay. but that's the exact same score that are they the Rattlers? Uh, yeah A&M maybe yeah it feels like A&M Florida A&M Rattlers Florida A&M Rattlers um, but that's the exact same score that I've said that now eight times uh, no it's Bethune-Cookman 70 to 13 Bethune-Cookman uh, they put up that a very similar kind of score to that and I was like, oh, yeah, our, our golden going to be okay. Mario Cristobal goes and does it, and I'm really nervous that we're going to be in a very similar spot just in terms of, like, he is going to be in trouble in three to four years from now. But they're paying him a shitload of money. 
they're not going to make it to a bowl game. Um, and I'm just going to have to believe in the off season a lot and then hope for season 2026 to be a good one. Yeah, let's move anyway, on. Number three, Oklahoma. Finally, Brent Venables takes a head job and it has not gone well so far. Fair, they have been disappointing, uh, especially with how much the natives were drumming them up about how this move was going to be so much better without Lincoln Riley. He'd been holding them back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number two, Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, they've been irrelevant. Can't be yeah, and uh, like I, I, this, this comes back to like that your argument originally, wasn't it? It's like, uh, but they were supposed to be, you know, a top fifteen program. They got well, out they, the blocks. They opened so the season slow. like top five or some shit, didn't they? Yeah, and that was yeah. you know purely for marketing purposes to get some eyeballs on that garbage game. But yeah, mm-hmm. they 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 literally are someone that who cares? Like I'm not, I'm not watching that. Number one, who would number one be? Putting you on the spot. Who has been the most disappointing program? A and M's been pretty bad. Yeah, good. Well, well played by you putting you on the spot. Texas A and M supposed to push for the SEC West this year has not happened, and not even that. Just looked bad. Jimbo yeah. Fisher's offense has been terrible. Their their quarterback recruiting has been oh, average at best, and real speculative stuff there and and they just haven't been out of land yeah the defense looks good but the offensive side of the ball outside of Devin A-Chain has looked real average really really bad in fact not even average just bad and I'm going to throw this out there when you talk about quarterback recruiting I I think it's probably unfair on some of these kids part of that is quarterback coaching quarterback development that, yeah, but that, know, that's you, Jimbo Fisher's calling card. It is, it is, and, and that's been shit out. Like, that has been poor, whether it's recruiting the wrong kids for what you want them to do. But these kids are talented. Like They've got the, the choice of who they want to bring into the program, and then like their backup's backup is uh, a stud. And the, the fact that they can't get it done with any of these, I'm saying it's not such a recruiting thing. They're just not developing these kids right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So that is ranking the most disappointing power five slash power five adjacent programs this year so i know you said miami felt low how do you feel about that now that oklahoma notre dame a&m yeah i'd still, still shuffle them up i still think they move up i think notre dame i don't know maybe because notre dame was earlier in the year and i've just forgotten about them i kind of have them <laughs> a little bit lower um perhaps i mean A&M, fair enough no, yeah. i mean no one's had the middle tennessee loss no one's had the Duke blowout at home. So, yeah, maybe Miami well, goes up to and one or two. And lost at home to App State, so... Yeah. <laughs> but it just feels like Miami continue to put up shit records. Like, we turned the ball over eight times on the weekend. Yeah. Like, why we've, is it always... We've done enough Miami bashing this episode. Let's get no, no, to week but, nine. No, but why is it always... Like, why do we keep putting up these fucking stats? I, I'm... Uh, it is emotionally draining. You don't know. You just don't know. And I said, like, oh, you're a Bears fan. You do know. You fucking don't. The Bears keep winning. Yeah, enough for us to not get a sweet draft pick. We'll now get, we're, like, a mediocre we're gonna one. A sweet, we're going to get a sweet draft pick while the Carolina Panthers go and win the division. All right, let's get to week nine. Let's jump straight in to what is a pretty paltry light on week. I think we've been spoilt with choice. Will's come up with four games. I've only really got two that I like. So let's start at the top. A team that we've hardly heard from all year, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. <laughs> we've never spoken about them. They never get any airtime on this show, but they are in another ranked matchup. So we do need to talk about 
their situation, their game going into Manhattan against Kansas State. Who's the starting quarterback going to be in this one for the Wildcats? Adrian Martinez hasn't practiced this week yet. Um, obviously, uh, Kleiman, the coach, has not given any information. They're not required to at a college level. So we're not sure what's going on with the quarterback situation. The offense will change a little, less dynamic with Will Howard in that lineup. But you've had a really tough, stressful month in tight, regular, constant, you know, high-pressure environments for your cowpokes, Texas, TCU, Texas Tech was close late. And then, of course, you had Baylor, which was hyped up at the time. But does this all catch up with them? Does these this month of pressure football um, in tight games, it's got to come un, unspooled here a fraction for them somewhere. I'm not saying this is the game, but is this the game? Yeah, well, I'm not sure it does, though. Like, I feel like TCU was that game where it kind of came undone, where they were two scores up in the last and, and then it went sideways on them. I, I, and it's it's just football at this stage. That's Like, they're playing in tight games against good conference foes, but I don't think it's a, a cumulative thing that they need to be worried about. They've just got a job to do on the road in hostile conditions against a, a talented senior-laden group at Kansas State. It, it's going to be a hell of a matchup. And I think you, you nailed it at the start talking about that Martinez matchup. He's been fantastic for them. If he's out, that's a real game-changer for them. Uh, his ability to evade pressure, get out of the pocket and, and make some plays on his feet if he can, if if he's good to go and available, he could tear shreds through that secondary, the Oklahoma State line. If if it's not the case and he can't play, and uh, I'm not sure who they had backing him up there um, last week, Will, How- but Will Howard was the man, dual threat guy or more. I uh, can do. He's big, big body and can, and can run, but isn't as sudden as what Martinez is. Um, and not the arm talent either. So, um, yeah. And that'd be, that'd be a massive win for Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's big key in this one is whether they can get the run game going or not. That, that's what's been... As much as they have been putting up points and moving the ball fairly well, the, the run game has been patchy and inconsistent. So they're going to want to be able to establish that in this one to make it a little bit more comfortable for themselves uh, and continue on this role. It... It, it has been interesting. We have talked about them, and it's not because I'm a big fan. Like, I'd love to talk about them all the time, but it just genuinely has been that they've been playing in these interesting matchups. I see what you're saying about it, it often being, you know, is, is there an effect on this? But I just think it's another matchup. They're, they're poised to win it. They'll go in trying to win it. They, they know they've got that loss now and that they can't afford another one. So boys will be keen and getting after it. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, but there's still something unpredictable about Spencer Sanders. And no matter how much he wants to get after it sometimes, it just doesn't happen for him. And you still feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but you still feel like he's got that go-off-a-cliff game (laughs) somewhere in his kit bag. And he hasn't hasn't played that card yet. He hasn't played it yet this year. I I think he... Well, you talked about improvement with Bo Nix. He's shown that this year. I think we've seen some moments. We've seen a couple of bad throws, but it's not 
compounded historically it kind of it did compound and he would just start stressing and it would just get worse and worse where where it was funny to watch oh it's heartbreaking to watch as as a supporter but this year we haven't seen it there has been some bad plays like that tcu one he had someone wide open he just needed to put it over the over the top under through it ended up getting picked off and it's just like oh that's killer but then he kind of fought back was able to make some plays in overtime wasn't to be but it it wasn't through his doing after that bad play that things fell apart. Same thing in the Texas one. He, ha- he had a bad pick in there and he was able to turn things around and light it up and, and score in the last quarter. So I've got a lot more confidence in him now this year. I still think there's some bad plays in there. He's far from a polished pro prospect that you're like, yeah, this guy's a first rounder. He's just not that. But yeah. he is a guy with a hell of a lot of experience who is willing to put his body on the line. It scares you a bit because you think he's going to get hurt, but... You're also kind of like, yeah, I, I just want to see where this goes, so fucking get after it. All right, one last point on this game. K-State giving up only, or not even, 20 points a game. And this defense leads the conference in interceptions. So you can't have that lax game. You cannot have that down game. Oklahoma State and your offense, you need to stay up because otherwise this thing could get tight on you in a hurry. Definitely. All right, Ohio State at Penn State. Actually, let's let's save that one. Let's just put a pin in that one for a second. Cincinnati at UCF. You've been dying to talk about John Reese Plumley, this UCF offense, which has been putting up points. Cincinnati has probably taken a step backwards uh, on offense, which you would, you know, to be expected. You lose um, a whole host of players, including like a first slash second round quarterback. Um, the offense certainly taking a step back, but defense still not, not, you know, top 20 in the country. Uh, how do you see this one playing out um, in Orlando? Well, the reason I want to talk about this one is I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup, and I think these two programs deserve to be talked about a little bit more. Uh, Big 12 adjacent, um, but this, this here is tight. I think Cincinnati deserve a slight edge going into it, but the fact that it's going to be played uh, in UCF, what's their home stadium called? FBC Question. Mortgage Stadium. Yuck. Well, it's in, in Orlando there, uh, and they'll, they'll get a big crowd out to this one. So there's going to be hostile confines. Cincinnati have won their last five on the bounce, uh, just got over SMU in a tough road game last week, and they, they haven't been in the convincing fashion that they have been previously. I think they're still doing a good job of executing, but this is not the same level of talent and team that they had last time around. You, you nailed it on the head. They lost a lot of really good players. Source Gardner, the, the DB, has gone in the NFL. He's now one of he the could be be- like Rookie of the Year. Exactly right. He's one of the better NFL cornerbacks in, in the league. So you, you can't go losing him and Kobe Bryant, who's also starting at the NFL now and doing a pretty darn good job at it as well, uh, and, and think you're going to be humming on the same level there. So the fact that they're able to continue to be at the top of the American and competing there is, is full credit to the program that they've built and what they've got going on. On the flip side, UCF also haven't fallen off a cliff. John Reef Plumley doing his own thing. He's that fun type of quarterback to watch. Like He just tries to run over dudes a little bit more than around them and I fucking love that it, it's awesome <laughs> when you get a linebacker at uh, a quarterback so I, I think this one's worth dialing into uh, if I have to make a pick I'm probably going with the Knights here but yeah. uh, I think it's just going to be a spectacle cool yeah don't disagree uh, and I'd be excited to watch that UCF offense. I think that's what would, would get me excited in this game. And, and home crowds there are usually pretty fun as well, especially in big matchups, which they have had a fair 
you know, number of really good ones. Going back to Scott Frost and Mackenzie Milton going back to the quote unquote national championship. Um, or in quotations, <laughs> not start quote end quote. In quotations. My, ships, my ship must be my shirt that I ordered must be with the beer that's coming. Still waiting for ah, it. Taking its time. Uh, all right. The other one you want to talk about, Kentucky at Tennessee. So the Wildcats heading to Knoxville. Uh, I don't think this game is going to be that exciting at all. I don't think this matchup suits Kentucky on any kind of level. Uh, they haven't been able to score really at all. Um, you know, you, you've got a, a situation where uh, Kentucky are averaging 21.5 points against SEC opponents this year. And Tennessee sneeze and score like 35. So, you know, and Tennessee's defense has been surprisingly capable. I, I just don't see a world in which this this game that Kentucky holds up here, even though the defense has been pretty stout, as it always is under Stoops. But you're, you're trying to hold back like a tsunami here with like a paddle and an umbrella. It's, it's just like a tennis racket maybe. And it's just not going to happen for you. So I don't I don't see a world in which Kentucky win this game. Yeah, look, you look at the box scores of the, the previous matches and you'd have to agree with what you've seen there. Kentucky really do battle to get more than three touchdowns on the board and then they rely on squeezing opponents and preventing them from being able to, to do anything to, to win that. And Tennessee just score for fun. They have been and they've been able to do that. So if you look at that, you go, ooh. For mine, I guess this is more just a watch. Like, I haven't watched a lot of Tennessee football this year. Oh, I'm, mate, I'm late to the party. you've been missing out. I, I have been. And I think that's why I kind of want to use this as an opportunity. Because Kentucky, like, yes, we think they're going to roll over them. But they're a good defense. So they're still going to have to they're going to have to put it out there. They're going to have to put it on show in order to get these points happening. Hendon Hook is going to have to have a game. It's not going to, they're not going to walk through this team that they're coming up against here. So I want to see that firsthand, and, and that's why I'm dialing into it. And it also feels like it's one where things could get a little bit sideways. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you don't see it. You don't, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it because I think Tennessee is genuinely good. This is... I kind of hear what you're saying in terms of like these spread teams that are really heavily offensive based, things can get weird on them at times and then get really ugly. If they go like multiple three and outs that take 22 seconds off the clock and then, you know, they punt the ball away, they're down big and then they go turnover, turnover and things can just get funky. It's like they get into some sort of vortex that they can't get out of. But Tennessee isn't this because they're not one dimensional on the offensive side of the ball. So they can run the ball, and they've been running the ball effectively, and I think they've got multiple ways to beat you. Uh, and, yeah, give me Tennessee comfortably in this. Cool. All right, Ohio State at Penn State. Let's, you know, pull that pin right back out of out of this one again in the Big Ten. What am I excited about in this one? We should be getting excited about things in this one. I'm not really that excited. I guess I want to see how many plays this wide receiver group can make. I think Ohio State has got the best wide receiver group in the country. They've got the best wide receiver recruiter in the country. In fact, they've got the best recruiter in the country. Full stop. He is the wide receiver his coach. Ryan Day is one of the best play callers in the country. You're going up against the 79th ranked pass defense. So Ohio State are going to have all the opportunities in the world to make mincemeat of this um, Penn State 
pass defense. And it's not for a lack of secondary talent. They have that. There's just not the pass rushes there that the Nittany Lions normally have at their disposal. Only averaging two sacks a game. That won't be enough uh, to stop Amika Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., who's been fantastic. I guess the only one I'd love to see get added to that mix. Only got five receptions for the year. Coming back from a bit of an injury, Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't been the man that I thought he would be, but hopefully he can get involved more because he's obviously a first-round talent. Yeah, you talk about getting excited for this game and how it is difficult. It, it, it's always easy to watch Ohio State play at the moment. Uh, they, they're almost getting into that Alabama territory where it's like, I need to see you like against yeah. a really good team because because <laughs> yeah. we know you're just going to win and it's not going to be all that exciting. What is super disappointing for me in this one, like Penn State last week obviously got smoked by Michigan and, and that takes the shine off of this one. But we've got the big noon kickoff. The big noon kickoff on Fox. Fuck off. I do not want to see Ohio State, Penn State during the day at noon Eastern time or 2 a.m. our time or whatever it is. Like, maybe I'm being a little bit selfish here, but this game deserves a nighttime atmosphere. This game deserves a wide out uh, to, to really build around it. Instead, we get some garbage big noon. Don't give but, me that. But that's the, that's the Fox sponsorship, though, right? I assume. Don't want it. Fox are, Don't want Fox it. Are, yeah, no, I get that, but Fox are linked with the Big Ten, and the, and the noon <laughs> slot is, is, has become their baby, and this is what you get. I don't disagree with you on any level, but you should, you think they'd just be able to flex this out to a night game. I mean, Absolutely. it shouldn't even be it's, flexed it's be out. It should be scheduled time. that way. Dead set. Yeah, I... Yeah. So it's frustrating, and it, but it's frustrating for Penn State too because there's a certain advantage to having a whole bunch of like j- just drunk fans under lights all getting around that and atmosphere there versus those that are just waking up from a big night the night before. All right, that is to me all of the relevant games for this week. I know we've got Florida, Georgia. Uh, we've got anything else of note, Will? I mean, I th- th- that one's not of note anymore because Georgia are Florida good. suck. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, Georgia are so good and Florida are not that it's just, it's not pretty. Yeah, and th- like the only other one, maybe Michigan, Michigan State, only because it's a rivalry game if that's what you're into. Uh, but it feels like most other games are either, f- yeah, the teams, yeah, there'll be an upset somewhere, but it's not shaping up to be a particularly monumental week, which is okay. It means we can exhale on this particular Sunday morning, which might be nice. Once I'm looking while. at okay. you, TCU and UCLA. Why, wait, why are you looking at them? Upset. Upset alert. Okay. Well, the other one I was thinking, maybe Old Miss go on the road to Texas A&M as yep, well. Definitely. Like that could be one where... Definitely. The the fighting lane Kiffins don't get it done again. That's a, All that's right. a pick. Uh, let's, yeah. Let's go on the punt. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get you to play us in here, Will. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> now, to your credit, before I, I pass over to you, you said you didn't like many of my picks last week, and you would have been correct. I went two for five. First time under 50% for a long, long time for me because I'm so good at this. I don't know what I'm up for the year. Normally, you're keeping records for me, so I don't really know um, where I'm at. Usually, you love that Google Doc. But uh feels like a lot of the big-time games hit the over, so I was sort of going to have a look at rolling with that moving forward. I didn't this week in the end. But yeah, I had a disappointing uh, 
outing from a, uh, a peaks perspective. You did, you did. So you had Clemson uh, to go up big, and they didn't. They only managed to scrape over the line there in that Syracuse one. You had K State uh, and TCU to go under. There's a few more points in there mm-hmm. than you expected. Texas Oklahoma State you had going the over. I really like that one, and, and that hit. So well done there. You had an old miss to upset LSU on the road there. They didn't do that, no, and then. You had uh, Boise uh, to get it done on the road at Air Force, and they were able to do that. Broncos are back. So two of five, not not a disaster. You're certainly up on the year, but uh, not your best work. Mm. Me, on the other hand, hoo-hoo-hoo, making money. <laughs> Look out. Here we go. I uh, went six of eight, which uh, is pretty good. Pretty good. One one pick away from making a lot of money. Uh, two picks away from fucking making apes. Uh, so this this is a good re- return for me. Baylor minus seven and a half against Kansas. They're always good. Actually, no, that one got quite close. I think they won by what nine or ten in the end. Little bit tighter than I had liked, but they managed to get that score that, late to put that one. They're up big. They're they were, big and then Kansas got within one score, uh, and it required uh, a late Baylor score to get me back the points there, but I'll take it. Indiana plus three at Rutgers. What, they lose by six? Mm. Oof, couldn't quite get it done. Um, not 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 terrible pick, though. I'll wear that. That's close. Uh, we go past that. Buffalo plus seven and a half against Toledo. They won. Well done. Eastern Michigan plus two and a half at Ball. They won. Well done. LSU against Old Miss. Tick. Looking pretty good here. Boston plus 20 and a half. Needed like 40 and a half. Uh, it was like 28 or something. <laughs> what wasn't great. It wasn't good watching when it was getting tight here because I was like, this ain't happening, which is disappointing. But after that, Western Michigan plus six and a half. They won. Like I've, I've, all of these ones where I've taken points, they've actually won. So I've done some, some pretty good stuff here. And then this one, I still don't understand why the line was there. The reason I didn't tell you all to load up and sell your houses and back this one in was because it just seemed so wrong that something, there was obviously something in play that I didn't know. But FIU were getting 14 and a half points against Charlotte. They were getting 14 and a half points, two and a half touchdowns against Charlotte. And we were both like, they're both pretty trash teams. Not good, but FIU will we'll win this one. They smoked them. They won by like 30 points. Getting yeah, Charlotte f- are terrible. They might getting be 14 and a half. That, that felt like, uh, yeah, really stuff. So six of eight, up and about. Uh, we're, we're, I'm feeling pretty good about these, uh, these, uh, these new picks you. we got. Look at you. Do you know your record on the year? Oh, look, let's not go into those sorts of details <laughs> at this stage. Just making money, mate. Are you in the black? Uh, I'd say I'd be back to around even. Okay. That's a win for you based Indeed. on our experience over the last few years. All right, take us through week nine. What do you got for us? You probably got a million picks again. I do. I've gone eight again. I found a lot. I had to, I had to cut some this week, which is always scary because you know you're going to pick the wrong one. You, ab- mm-hmm. you just know it's going to happen. So let's start from the top. Uh, OU on the road at Iowa State. Iowa State are not good. Like, yes, no. this OU team is not a historical OU team, but they're better than Iowa State. And you're getting a point. One point yeah. is all they need. Give me that. Give me OU. I'll eat that up. They'll win that. Easy. Auburn, plus three and a half against Arkansas at home. I'll take that. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> I Auburn don't have a lot have, of faith in Auburn. <laughs> I don't either, but historically they've had uh, the, the better of this matchup. You're getting three and a half points. You're at home. I think they're starting to turn things around a little bit this season here. So, yep, give me that one there. <sighs> I mentioned it a little bit before, West Virginia, 
plus seven and a half. Vitex what a, taking a lot of dogs here. I am. I am. I like it because I often win these games. So give me West Virginia plus seven and a half. Another dog. They got smoked last week. West Virginia? Yeah. Okay. Actually, no. Uh, yeah, they did, I think. Anyway, carry on. I shall. Another dog? Georgia Tech plus 24 versus yes, Florida State. Is that Florida Thoughts. State? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. They've played some teams tight this year, but they've really gone backwards again. And I don't know. I still don't know how I fully feel about this Florida State team. They're off to a good start. I don't think they're very good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, think 24 sounds like a lot though. You're right. It does sound like a lot. And, and I also don't know. I'm not expecting Georgia Tech to win this game, but I think they certainly keep it within 24. So give me Reckham Tech in that one. Another one you might find surprising, but Tulsa at home against SMU. SMU have been a bit disappointing, I reckon. They have been. Lashley they have sort been. of hasn't quite got them going yet. I don't think they've been great. Tulsa historically have done really well against SMU. They're at home. I like them here. Give me Tulsa to win. Uh, Michigan State at Michigan. You talked about this one, rivalry matchup. Getting 22 and a half points. That's oh, a lot of points. It's a lot of points. One of mine. You've stolen one of mine. Historically, uh, Michigan State have done very well against the spread in this one. So mm-hmm. Vegas always thinks Michigan are going to win by a lot, and it mm. rarely turns out to be the case. So give yep. me Michigan State here. Agree with that one. It makes me nervous, though, that all the public money's with Michigan State, though. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, Stanford, plus 16 and a half oh, at I UCLA. At this is, I looked at that one as well. Yeah, so Stanford have beaten them at the Rose Bowl like six of the last seven times. Met a guy, just quickly, uh, a couple of days ago who played some high school ball at the Rose Bowl. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Anyway. It is cool. Uh, So yeah, give me Stanford. I've I've just taken all points here now that I'm actually looking at my picks. Um, (laughs) The last one, which you're going to love because... Why not? A Nevada plus 24 oh, and a half they at are San Jose State. They, they aren't great. Terrible. They aren't great, but they've beaten San Jose State 10 out of the last 12 times. And I'm yeah, getting 24 and a half times. They... Oh, 24 and a half, mate. They are not good. Nevada might be the worst. I said, who does Charlotte might be the worst? Nevada are terrible. Take the points. Wouldn't touch that. Okay. I've got five. I've already had the aforementioned Michigan State, so I'm down to four. Virginia, plus two and a half. I'm taking them outright over Miami at home. Mario Cristobal can't beat a team against the spread. I don't even know why Miami are favorites in this. Virginia are bad. Miami are fucking terrible, and they've got a new starting quarterback. I've got no faith in anything this Canes team can do. Obviously, um, Wake Forest, sticking the ACC, minus two at Louisville. Louisville have been disappointing this year. Um, they were supposed to be a bit of a mover and shaker, doing some things in the recruiting world. Wake Forest, if you believe in Wake Forest, they will clean up that two and a, two points. No worries. I liked Louisville in that spot there. Uh, the reason I didn't go with it is because I do believe in Wake Forest and I didn't want to bet against them, but uh, yep. It's probably good for Oregon. You. Oregon to cover the 17 points at Cow. Sounds like a lot. But hear me out. Golden Bears have lost four of their last five. In those four losses, and they're going to lose this game, but in those four losses, they've put up scores of 21-13 against Colorado, 9-17. and 17. 
Oregon's offense is averaging 42.5 points per game. Do a quick bit of math there, and they should clean that up pretty quickly. What are you giving at? I like your mathematics. You're just looking at like points for, points against to win your split and going, well, this is definitely going to happen here. It's good. It's good. Mate, that's, that's as good as any strategy you've put together. <laughs> hey, I think I've tried that one at one point. It does not work. <laughs> But Oregon's offense has been impressive. Yeah, oh, I, has been I agree with you this so. one. Absolutely. Oregon um, take it, and, and for my fifth, I'm taking a homer pick. Tennessee, like I've said earlier, 12 and a half. Two touchdowns against Kentucky. Again, going to do some quick maths. And I mentioned it before. Who did Arizona's, I miss here? Did you do you have four picks or five picks? I got four. I got five, but Michigan State was probably the one. Okay. And now you're off Michigan it. You're State. dropping it. No, no, no. Oh, you got just, Michigan State okay. plus 22 and a half. Virginia, outright. Wake Forest minus two, Oregon minus seventeen, and Tennessee minus twelve and a half. Mate, there is no way. Again, averaging twenty one and a half points. Give them two touchdowns. That gives you thirty seven points to Tennessee. That is like sneezing for this. That is like that is like you at dropping dollar bills in the club. And, uh, yeah, Tennessee are going to... They'll get that done by half-time. I'm feeling good about your picks this week, mate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back them with my own money. No, you're not. Don't do I that. I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That brings us to the end of week nine. Uh, hopefully, it is a good week of college football for you. Hopefully, your teams have success and they do not make their way into the football teams that are the most embarrassing in college football because mine is well and truly entrenched there. We've spent a lot of time on the Canes this episode. You will not hear from them for the rest of the year. Usually we do give them some airtime. I think this is the first time I've actually really spoken about them in any great detail outside of the A&M game. And I now am going to go to bed wanting to suffocate myself with my pillow or hope that some sort of flaming arrow gets shot through my window and pierces me through the skull. All right. Please make sure that you do support Burnley Brewing Vault Studio Podcast or College Football Down Under on Twitter, Facebook. Not Twitter, Facebook. Just Twitter is fine at this particular point in time on behalf of that guy over there thank you very much for joining us my name's aaron that is will and we will see you next time